You are listening to the sermons of Country Gospel Cowboy Church with Pastor Johnny Lee. Country Gospel Cowboy Church meets in a one-room schoolhouse at 12257 Highway 60 in Millican, Colorado. Would you be truthful with me if I ask you a question? How many of you can say, it is well with my soul? Now, I've got some that's the hand still down. But before you leave here this morning, I hope it'll be well with your soul. Look in with me in Leviticus 17, chapter 17, verse 11. How many of you have ever really thought about the blood and the power of the blood? Even in your own body. What makes your body tick? It's actually the blood. Look in verse, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood by reason of life that makes atonement. Boy, isn't that strong? It is the blood that makes atonement. It's that way in the body, and it's that way in, in your spirit. It's that way through the word. The blood flows through the Bible. Uh, there cannot be life in the physical. In the Bible, just as it does through our veins, it travels through the Bible, you know. The blood of Christ is what keeps Christianity alive. That's what keeps you alive. Did you know that every heartbeat that you beat is by the grace of God? Someone has said, cut the Bible anywhere and it will bleed. The blood is spoken of 427 times in the Bible. And so it's easy to see this isn't a minor theme. This is something major. There's a red ribbon that goes all the way from Genesis to the book of Revelation. The red ribbon, that's, that's a bloodline of Christ. In the Old Testament, it points toward. In the New Testament, it points to the resurrected Christ. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 26, 28, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And Paul added in Colossians 1.14, he says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. He also explained we have redemption through the blood, even the forgiveness of sin. And Peter added in 1 Peter 1.18, We are not redeemed with silver and gold and precious stones, but with the precious blood of Christ. And John agreed with Peter and Paul when he wrote, in 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. I love that. Not just some. Cleanses us from all sin. Everything you ever did that was wrong. You are washed as white as snow without spot or blemished with the blood of Christ. You know, the early church understood the blood. There's 22 sermons recorded by four preachers in the book of Acts, and they all give the same message. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They understood that his death and the provision of being covered by the blood was the essential 
the most important ingredient in the gospel message. There, that ought to cover it. That's just about what Jesus said. That ought to cover it. The idea of payment to cover as well as hiding it from sight. See, when God looks upon you, he can't see your sin if you're washed in the blood because your, the blood of Christ covers your sin. I told you this story probably once before, but I want to tell it to you again. Maybe some new people haven't heard it. When I was in printing, I had a dark room that I processed all the film with, and when I was in there, I painted the walls red, all the walls in that dark room red. And then I put a big red bulb in my dark room to light up. Well, when I'm in there, when I turn that light on, that red light, the walls become white. It's a, you, you probably won't believe that until you try it. But when you put a red bulb in a dark room with red walls, the walls look just like that right there. They look white. That's what Jesus sees. That's what God sees through Christ. When he sees your filthy sin, he can't because it's covered by the blood of Christ. He cannot see your sinful life because you've been redeemed. You've been set apart. You've been recovered and covered and bought back by the blood of, of Jesus. That is so powerful that one drop covers a multitude of every sin that you've ever committed. Isn't that amazing? That's God's grace. It's amazing grace. Uh, Wayne Watson said, His gaze always passes through rose-colored glasses every time he looks at my heart. I like that, don't you? When you see things through rose-colored glasses, they just look rosy, don't they? No matter what color they are. Can you see this portrait of blood that's been painted, the picture that's been painted by the Old Testament and the New Testament? Well, it's hard to see blood. It's internal, isn't it? To make it external, it kind of hurts. You have to be cut or injured before you can see the, the real blood. Uh, the Bible paints it in pretty broad strokes. He paints the blood on a canvas, and then in minute detail, God's Word breaks it down to our level that we can understand it. The importance of the blood is Jesus. We can see this today. But even more important is that God sees the blood applied to our lives and passes over us. Mm -mm. I'm going to yodel yet. Let's put the blood of Christ under the microscope and do some study on it for, for just a few minutes. Then we'll complete a picture, a portrait of the blood. I want to be quoting a lot of scripture this morning, but I want us to understand that the Bible has a lot to say about this subject. Uh, if you're squeamish about somebody preaching about the blood you better leave now I cannot understand churches that will not preach on the blood because they think it might be offensive guys this is the most precious thing that we have as Christians is the blood of Christ that covers us the blood is perfect that's the first thing we want to look at the blood is perfect the virgin birth of Christ establishes his righteousness Judas cried out, I have betrayed innocent blood. And Paul ex explained, For he hath made me to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
And Pilate himself said, I find no fault at all in him. And Jesus himself said in John 8, 46, which of you convinceth me of sin? See, even Jesus knew that he was perfect because he's God. He knew that he was perfect. And he knew that there could not be sin upon him if he was to complete his mission. Hebrews 7.26 says this. He was spoken of as holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. And in 1 Peter 2.22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Boy, that separates us from Jesus, doesn't it? <laughs> Anybody, everybody sitting out there. It separates us from him. John added in, one, in 1 John 3, 5, in him is no sin. How much more plain can it be than that? A natural father would have given the sin nature of Adam to Christ, and his death would not have provided redemption if that were so. So he could not come from a natural father. He had to come from God, the Holy Spirit. The virgin birth is absolutely essential to the salvation of our souls. If you have somebody that says, well, a virgin birth wasn't important, well, how can we be saved? There is no way that we can be saved unless that happens. The Bible clearly teaches that Jesus was born of a virgin, did not have original sin, and Matthew quotes Isaiah the prophet in saying this, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which in being interpreted is God with us. Jeremiah the prophet has spoken years before. He said in Jeremiah 31, 22, The Lord hath created a new thing upon the earth. A woman shall encompass a man. It certainly was a new thing for a woman without a man to give birth to a child, wasn't it? Nobody had ever heard of that before. That's a new thing. The Adamic nature is passed to the offspring by the bloodline of the man. There were no impurities in the blood of Christ. Everything about Christ was perfect, including his blood, because that's the way God made him, okay? The next thing we want to look at is the blood is pure. You know, one of the reasons we use grape juice in our communion service instead of wine, is because wine has to go through a process of fermentation. The process of fermentation is actually bacteria working in the juice. It's a rotting process. And it could never give a proper picture of the sinless blood of Christ. But if you take grape juice right off the vine, it's pure. And for all that is holy, Satan has his counterpart. And communion is no exception. Pure grape juice is the true symbol of the pure blood of the Lord Jesus, just as the pure bread, or as the bread is to be without leaven. It's to be pure. Uh, leaven has to do with sin. That's, yeast makes bread rise. And the reason it's pictured as sin in the Bible, because one little drop or one little piece of leaven infects the whole loaf. One little piece of leaven makes the whole loaf rise. So that's why we use unleavened bread. When someone is struggling with a blood disease, they go through a process of clinical purification of the blood called dialysis. 
After the blood has been purged of germs, diseases, bad cells, it's unable to work against the enemy's cells that are in their system. The writer of Hebrews stated, For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purged your conscience from dead works to serve a living God? That's pretty good, isn't it? When the pure blood of the Savior is applied to the sinner, it provides cleansing. And John explained, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us, cleanseth us from all sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What a great hymn. Because it gets to the point. Nothing is, can save you but the blood of Christ. Isn't it amazing that God already had that figured out? That he worked that plan out? That whole plan of salvation was worked out before he ever said, let there be light. Or ever creation. He knew what man would do. And so he took care of it through the life-giving source of the blood. Not only does it make your body work, it makes your body saved from something far worse than what you would ever imagine. Here's the thing, guys. Just forget about the pain of hell and the darkness and everything that goes on there. What about just being without God? That's the most devastating thing that anyone could go through is to be in life forever without God because there's no love ever again. You're without that. I just tremble sometimes when I think about people that are on their way to a place called hell in a place called darkness, not with their buddies. They'll be alone and without God forever. What more do we need to try to win somebody to Jesus? Nothing but that thought. Just forget about how God helps us now and how God loves us now and he prepares for everything that we do in the now but just think about when you slip out of this life into the eternity without him. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Peter wrote in 1 Peter uh, 18, 19. 1 Peter 1, 18, 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And because it's pure, it's purifying Look, the next one. The blood is perpetual. It just keeps going. It's like that bunny with the battery just keeps on going. The animal sacrifices of the Old Testament were continuous year after year after year. You know why they were continuous? 
because the people kept sinning. We're no different. We keep sinning. But we don't have to have an animal sacrifice. Hallelujah for that. The blood of bulls and goats provided forgiveness and pardon temporarily only because it pointed to the sacrifice of Christ. It pointed to the New Testament and the new, the new covenant through the blood. The, the writer of Hebrews speaks Christ as one who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people. For this he did once when he offered up himself. I love that. He did it one time for us. We don't have to go back and get a goat or a lamb and take it to the altar and present it to God and then do that over and over and over and over and over and over. We do it. Jesus did it one time. Guys, it gets me, it just befuddles me how people can say, well, I don't think you can really be saved once and that's it. Well, how many times does it take? How many times does Jesus have to be crucified to save you? See, he did it one time. That's forever. Now, we might have a problem of some people being saved or not saved, but I'll guarantee you he's not going to come back and re-crucify himself for you because he did it one time, and that's for all. So all we have to do is to accept that what he did for us Individually, individually, we have to come to Christ alone. And when you do that, he will never let you go. That's a promise from his word. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Paul tells us in Hebrews, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us eternal redemption that's forever guys it's not just sometimes or not when we feel good and when we're doing good that's even when we're doing bad he still has covered you in sin uh, the bible states but this man after he had offered the sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of god the death of christ set in motion a continuous cleansing of those who trust him Continuous cleansing. We're given the gift of eternal life that he purchased with his blood. See, it's not us. It's him. He purchased us. We didn't come to him and demand that we be saved. He came to us and demanded that we believe in him. If we want to be saved, that we trust him. Aren't you thankful that you're washed once and for all, forever? Our faith in his blood is all it takes to settle it forever and ever. Just one time, guys. One time. That's it. Okay, the next thing. His blood is powerful. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. And John wrote, Thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, in Revelations 5, 9. Now, I, know, I told you there's a lot of Bible scripture here because the Bible has a lot to say about the blood. Uh, it takes amazing power to do what Jesus did, doesn't it? We're told in Revelations 12, 11 that they overcame the wicked 
one by which is Satan by the blood of the Lamb. It takes a lot of power to do that. False religion has always denied the blood and its power. Does anybody remember Mary Baker Eddy? Got one back there. Christian, she was with the Christian Science Movement. And she wrote this, The material blood of Jesus is no more effectual to cleanse from sin when it was shed upon the cursed tree than when it was flowing through his veins. An R.B. theme, the Bible teacher now in Texas, he said, The red liquid that ran through the veins and arteries of Jesus' mortal body is not related to our salvation. Guys, that's false teaching. That's not what the Bible teaches These teachers, and there's a whole lot more like them, they stand in complete opposition to what the Bible really teaches. In Hebrews 9.22, listen to this. This This puts it on the line. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no remission. That's all you need is the blood of Christ to cover your sin. Look at this next one. The blood is permanent. I knew a woman who went to a photographer at a studio, and when she went in, she told him, do me justice, and the, prog- the photographer says, lady, you need mercy. <laughs> now, I'm not going to look at anybody when I say that. I'm just going to look at the grout. You know, acquit is a heavy word, isn't it? It means to pay off, to free, to clear, to absolve. It's a far-reaching meaning extending from the past all the way to the future. Um, there's a lot of you that remember O.J. Simpson's trial, and he was acquitted. Do you know it can never come back on him in a court of law? Not even new evidence can be presented because he was acquitted. Well, you say, well, I don't believe justice was done. Well, maybe not, but you and I are guilty, and we know it. And we, we don't want justice. We want mercy. And we need, to be, need it to be permanent where it never comes back to haunt us again that we're guilty. When we're acquitted, guys, by the blood of Christ, it's a done deal. We're, we're justified. I love that word justified, and I've told you this before. It's justified, never committed sin. I was brand new, washed clean made whole, whiter than snow. Did you know when you wake up in the morning and you pray that prayer, your whole day is perfect so far? <laughs> Until you get to work, and then you probably need some repentance. <laughs> but, but we all start out the same, see? We're all washed white as snow. Our sins are forgiven, and here's the beauty part about it. God forgets them. Now, I know you know that's impossible for God, but nothing's impossible for God. If God says he forgets our sins, he chooses to do so. And the only reason he can forget our sins is because he's placed them behind his back. The only reason he can forget our sin is because they're as far as the east is from the west. The only reason he can forget our sins is because he never sees them because of the blood of Jesus the righteousness that stands before between you and him. He can't, he doesn't want to remember your sins, so he chooses to forget them. 
But guys, there's something we have to do in order for that to happen. We have to receive it. If you don't receive it and just hope it happens, you're not going to get it. You must receive what his gift is for you. It's a complete free gift of salvation. And it's given to you free. It cost him the best he had. But it's absolutely free to us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't, that, isn't God so amazing that he offers us that kind of grace? Jesus' blood cleanses us from our past sin. Isaiah 44, says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. What does redeemed mean? Bought back. Because, guys, we slipped away from him. We all have. When we were born, we were to that end of sin. And we've slipped away from him because of our Adamic nature. So we need to come back. And he offers us the way because he loves us so much. We're the apex of his creation, the very top of his creation. So he wants us to be in fellowship with him. That's why he offers his, the best that he has for us. David spoke in this when he stated in Psalms 103, when I was talking about as far, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us, never to come back. Blood covers our present sins, both the sins of omission and the sins of commission. Whether it be the things we ought to be doing and are not doing, or whether it be the things that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. He covers all that stuff. They're covered fully by his atonement. And that's by the blood. Now the reason I'm saying this is because I want this to be an effectual message that you know why we're taking communion. This is very important. It's very important that we do this because it's in remembrance of the one who gave himself for us. We do that because we want to remember. We never want to forget what has happened. And the first day we're in glory, we're all going to sit down at the table, and Jesus is going to drink wine again because he said he's not going to drink it until we get there. He's not going to have that dinner until we're all with him. Isn't that amazing? Well, look at this next one. His blood is precious. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. I love that. No other found I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. He, Peter used the term precious to describe the blood of Christ. He said, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. There's a story of an old man that he had a bunch of paintings. He, he went all over the world and collected like Van Gogh and Picasso and Monet and uh, Rousseau, you name it, he, he just filled his whole house up with these paintings. And his son had the same desire for these paintings. He's got all, you know, millions of dollars worth of paintings in his home. And his son gets called to war, and he goes to war, and he gets wounded, and he ends up dying. He's, he's trying to carry uh, some people out of the battlefield. He was a medic. And he carried these people out, and he got killed during the process. Well, when 
time rocked along, and his his dad just you know grieved and mourned over him and stuff. He's really close to his son, and so uh, time went along, and so after a while, uh, a few years, uh, this young guy come to the door, and he was one of the guys that helped was carried out by his son, and he was an artist, and he painted his son's picture. And he just loved that painting above all the rest of his paintings by all these big-time artists. And so he put it over his fireplace, this son's painting. And it, it got along where he got to old age, and he, he died. And so they, they auctioned off all the things that he had. And when they started the auction, that was the first thing up was the son's painting. And you could hear the murmur of the crowd saying, we don't want this 10-cent artwork. We want the good stuff, you know. And they just kind of murmured along. And he said, okay, we're going to start here. Who, could, who gives me $500 for this painting? Nobody said a word. Went down to $25. Nobody said a word. And finally, the old man in the back says, would you take $10 for it? So that's all they sold it for. I said, so. And so when he received the painting, the auctioneer said, that concludes our bidding for today. This auction is over. And they were just stunned. They couldn't believe it. We'd never even started hardly. And that old man had written a note to the auctioneer. And he said, when you sell this son's painting, they get everything else that I have. See, that tells us about what Jesus did for us. When we accept the Son, we get all that God has for us. The Bible says all that His becomes ours because of His Son. That kind of hits home, doesn't it? Finally, let's look at this one right here. The blood is protective. Exodus 12, the blood was sprinkled on the doorposts of the Jewish homes just as the Lord had instructed them. And when the death angel came on that night with the awful judgment of death to the firstborn of the Jews, they were protected by the blood. It was actually their faith that brought the protection because they had to have faith enough to put it on the doorpost before anything would happen. They believed the word of the Lord that had been given to them by Moses. They took it to heart. They said, we better do what he tells us. So they put door, the blood on the doorpost of the, of the lambs and over the mantle. See, they believed it enough to act on it. By following the directions, just as the Lord instructed, they reaped a great benefit. The death angel passed over them. And God had said, the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses which you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. We still speak of being under the blood, don't we? And the judgment will not fall on those who've placed their faith in Christ and accept Him as Savior because we're under the blood. We're protected. And it's a protection that lasts forever. It's nothing that goes away. I want to ask you this morning, if you've not gotten under the protection of the blood of Christ, 
I beg you to do so now before the death angel comes to your house. Because when you shut your eyes and take that final breath and your heart bumps the last time, you don't get a second chance. There's no second chances. When you say adios, it's either heaven or hell. So can you get the picture today? Can you see Christ's blood? And more importantly, can you see God in it? And how much love he has for us? And what he's offered to us? If not, the only thing he sees about you is your sin. Which will never pass the gates to the kingdom. Never. If you're still in your sin this morning. And you've not accepted the redemption by the blood of Christ. There's no hope. There's no hope. I want, I want us this morning, as we partake of this supper, to examine ourselves spiritually. And check our hearts and see where we stand. See if there's anything in there that you need to offer up to the Lord and get right. You know, the Bible talks about, in, in 1 Corinthians, about a lot of folks take it unworthily. And that means that they still have something they're hiding or trying to hide from the Lord. And a lot of people have been sick because of it. And a lot of people even died because of it. And guys, this happened to the first church, the early church. Jesus hasn't changed his mind about his church from the first church to us. So don't do that. Make sure you get everything out before the Lord. And that you're preparing your heart to take, partake of this Lord's Supper. Because it needs to be done in truth and in spirit this morning. All sermons from Country Gospel Cowboy Church are available to listen and download at countrygospelcowboychurch.org or on iTunes for Apple devices, Podcast Republic for Android and Kindle devices and SoundCloud. We would love to have you join to worship. Service begins at 10 a.m. on Sunday or join us for Bible study at 6.30 on Wednesday.